five, four, three, two, one. Good morning, guys. It is uh, Thursday night for us. Friday morning for you guys. Let me see. This, I don't, this thing's not adjusted right. So, um, Sharon was tired. She made an amazing dinner. Um, man, I'd invite you all, but then it'd be less for me. But she made this really good dinner. But um, I don't know if you remember, but yesterday, if you saw yesterday's video, she had that procedure and it was like, we had to wake up at six in the morning and she had the procedure. And then all day long, we were in Modesto at the church because it was Bible study day. And, uh, and then we came home and did the devotional. And then we were getting a lot of things ready for the conference uh, coming up on Monday and Tuesday in Oceanside. And um, after she made dinner, she was like pooped. She's like, I am tired. So, you know, I gave her the night off. You know, I told her, so she's like, I need a rest. And I was like, just go ahead. I'll, I'll do the devotional. You know, uh, uh, don't worry about it. I got it. So here I am. You guys got me here. And um, I was thinking about what to talk about. And I actually um, thought of something. And, um, you know, I, I was like, man, do I talk about this verse or that verse or this subject or, you know, this topic or that topic? And so... Anyways, um, here's what I want to talk about. Blessings and cursing. Blessing and cursing. Like I'm like on a way bottom part of this thing. That's weird. So, you know, the word is used a lot. Blessing, cur cursing is used a lot, especially in Deuteronomy, Old Testament, in the in the books of Moses, um, a blessing is used throughout the entire Bible to bless, to be blessed, things like that. Um, curse is used. So I think that a lot of times it gets used wrongly, used in the wrong context. And um, even more importantly, used in the wrong doctrinal truths. You know, and um, the reason I say is, for instance, um, when it comes to generational curses, when it comes to things like that, I think it can go extreme to one end or extreme on the other. For instance, there's people that say, um, and, and both are right in a way. So I'm going to state both of them, both extremes, and then I'm going to say where, at least where I see biblically where it stands, is some will say, well, there is no generational curse because the moment you surrender to Christ, He washes you, and there's nothing else that has to be done. It is clean, it is finished, it is done, and that's it. The other extreme says, well, okay, you're saved, you've been sanctified, but if somebody put curses on you, they're still on you. If you did things, you cursed yourself, those, those curses are still on you. So, yeah, even though you're saved, you are still cursed. And, or the generations before you, your mom, your dad, your grandma, your grandpa, your uncle, whoever, they were in witchcraft or in Santeria or they were whatever, whatever. It doesn't even have to be that dark or deep. They'll say, you have these generational curses. So now that you are in Christ, now you got to go back and clean this stuff up. 
both extremes, you know, and um, I'm not sure where many of you are at. I'm pretty positive many of you already have your stance on where you're at on that subject. And some of you are hearing it for the first time. You're like, I never thought of that, you know. So um, I want to see every time we, we go to a belief system in the Bible, especially when there's such a big push on one end and push on the other and these say oh you guys are fake and these side is saying no you're fake you don't understand and vice versa back and forth um I, i'm gonna anchor it with this verse right the one that says and you hear me say it all the time i'm gonna put it on the screen right now but basically it says this it says the voice you obey is the voice you become a slave to okay so what do I mean by that and, and how do I put that in context of blessings and cursings or generational cursings, things like that, is um, a lot of times what, what, I, what, I, what I find as a pastor, as a Christian, as a teacher, is that a lot of times when you need to teach someone, you need to reconstruct a lot of stuff a lot of false belief, a lot of superstitious stuff, a lot of stuff that's been taught in the church but is not biblical. A lot of us come with all this heavy baggage and before we put this beautiful carpet of the gospel of salvation, you got to clean up this mess first. Okay, because what happens is, let's say many people come from a Christian home, I mean, I'm a, a non, well, yeah, a Christian home where they, they were taught these things, uh, you know, generational curses and this and that. So you come with this belief system, right? So you surrender your life to the Lord, but things don't go right. Things continue to go wrong, or you knew things that your grandparents dwelled into, dabbled into, whatever, this and that. So, you know, it gets put in your ear that the reason things ain't so good, so good, the reason you don't have money, the reason you got fired from your job, the reason your kids don't like you, the reason your car broke down, whatever, it's because of generational curses. You know, you got to break that stuff. So a belief system is now in place. Remember what I said? The voice you obey, you become a slave to it. So now this person that is saved, sanctified, washed in the blood of Jesus Christ, they're hearing these voices, they're hearing these people, they're hearing whatever preacher, teacher, book, whatever is saying, you need to clean the house, you have curses on you, you have all this and that. The voice you obey, you become a slave to. So... So now this person has a belief that they have curses that are literally like hooks hooked into them. And um, they will go and they will ask for prayer. They'll pray for deliverance. They'll pray for, ask for prayer for deliverance or just prayer. And the pastor comes or the teacher comes, the evangelist comes, lays hands on you, and boom, you're set free. You are set free because... Even though you had a belief system that these things were real, you also have a belief system that the, the man or the woman of God, whoever's praying for you, is operating in the power of the Holy Ghost, so you feel a true freedom. So then they'll, they will now jump on the bandwagon on this side and say, yes, generational curses are real. 
I know because I was set free. I was delivered. I, you know, and, and all this heaviness was on me and chains were on me. And I was been saved for a year, five years, 10 years. But the moment that person prayed for generational curses to break, they broke. I was set free. I felt lighter. I felt joy ever since then. So it must be true. It, it was true for them. But here's the thing. It was true for them because they became a slave to that belief. But praise God, right? They got set free and, and there's no harm done. Now they, they feel, so there's people that feel they got to get pray, they, that a prayer ain't going to work unless they use anointing oil. And there's been times where I prayed for healing, they won't get healed. And then they say, oh, can you use oil? You know what I do? I don't argue with them about biblical this, biblical that. I put oil in my hands, I pray for them, bam, they get healed. Why did they get healed then? Because they have a belief system. The voice they obey is the one they become a slave to. And somebody told them, you can't get healed unless you're anointed in oil. So now that you're anointed in oil, boom, you're set free. You know, so this is a big deal in the church because it was true for them. I don't deny the fact that when people say that generational curses were broken, I don't deny them because, you know what, somewhere along the line, regardless of it was themselves or somebody else or another preacher, another teacher, their best friend, their co-worker, somebody put a belief system, they believed it, it became true, and praise God, now they're set free from it. So I, I rejoice with them. I don't argue with them. I don't say, no, you never had generational curses. If you had Jesus, if you're a real Christian, if you really blah, 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 this and that. It's not a time to win an argument. Just rejoice with them. That's it. You know? Um, now, on the other side, many of those people, um, they're in denial. Somebody told them, all you got to do is accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, repent of your sins, and, and all this and that, right? And, and all of a sudden... They do that, but nobody disciples them, so they believe that nothing can harm them. They believe it um, with a very shallow, superficial belief system, because then they continue to live their old way. They continue to hang around their old friends. They continue to operate in the same way. So obviously, their belief in salvation is not the true salvation of the Bible, it was a very shallow, superficial salvation, and they did this nice little prayer on Sundays, and they come to Sunday service when they can, when they don't have a barbecue to go to, a birthday party to go to, shoes they need to get, or whatever, or a football game. But as long as there's nothing else going on, they'll show up to a service, probably a service that lasts, you know, 20-minute little service, something to make them feel good, little instant microwave-type popcorn sermon, and... Um, but they didn't change. There's, there's no change from inside. All the change is from outside. And then they get caught up in a lot of stuff and things start to happen. And all of a sudden, let's say a guest speaker comes. They've been there for a year, two years, three years, right? Very superficial Christian life. Very happy, go lucky sermons. Read Joel's theme books and this and that, you know, and, you know, how to have a good life and five ways to smile and, you know, things like that. So, and then somebody else comes along and says, hey, 
Did you know uh, Christians can have demons? And they're like, no, I was told that I, I could be set free. I was told that I washed in the blood of Jesus. I was told, and you know, this and that. But here's the thing. This person is proclaiming it and saying it, but they don't live it. Keep that in mind. So then they'll say, I'll prove it to you. Come over to this service where they do deliverance and they cast demons out. And they're like, well, I guess I'll entertain it. You know, I'll entertain it because you're my friend. But, you know, I believe that I'm washing the blood and I go to church every single Sunday. Well, I go when I can because sometimes there's barbecues and football games and different things. But I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian through and through. But their lifestyle doesn't match it. But in their mind, they're a Christian. So then they go to a deliverance service and guess what happens? They manifest. <laughs> and they manifest, a demon manifest. All of a sudden, this demon makes a fool of them, has them moving on the floor like a snake because they truly had some oppression or even possession, whatever is going on. Something's going on. Something demonic's going on. So now they're confused. Because they're like, yeah, Christians can have demons. Because it happened to me. I've been in a church for two years, one year, five years, and I go all the time, and I tithe, and I, uh, I'm part of, of the teams that they have there, and I'm a, I'm a greeter. <laughs> but here's the thing. You were never Christian in the first place. It was very superficial, and nobody discipled you. You, you were following a... Mickey Mouse, Mother Hen, Mother Goose type of Christianity, of course you got delivered because you've been never saved in the first place. See what I mean? So, this is why. This is why it's very important to teach people right to teach them biblical principle, to teach them what the Bible says, to teach what the Word of God says, to teach them who they are in Christ, to teach them what really happens at salvation, to teach them what the finished work of, of the, what's the finished work of Jesus really was about on the cross, what really happened on the cross, what really happened at the whipping post, what really happened at the resurrection, what really happens you know, when the Lord comes into your life and he takes out your heart of stone and puts it in a heart of flesh and put his spirit within you, what, see, this is the part that's missing. Because when you're not given that, you go to the extreme and do this or you go to the extreme and do that. You know, that's why it's like, people have asked, do you cast out demons at house of rest? Yeah, but that ain't the focus. Do you pray for the sick in house of rest? All the time, but that ain't the focus. Do you, do you believe a prophetic word at house of rest? Yeah, but that ain't the focus. But what's the focus? Jesus. Jesus is the focus. You know, so... This is unfortunately something that is very rampant in Christianity right now. And because both of these examples, the experiences are true. They are true experiences. So they believe that this is real because it was real to them. Because the voice you obey, you become a slave to. 
You know, so um, have I taught about generational curses? I have. Do you know why? Because I understand that that person's belief system is in this. So because of that, even like Paul said, I'm a Greek to the Greeks. I'm a Roman to the Romans to the Jew. I'm a Jew. So when somebody comes and says, Pastor, I got saved, you know, a year ago, six months ago. Um, but there's generational curses in my family because my family was into witchcraft or whatever. I don't go into, big, into a giant dissertation about how he's wrong because he's not, because he, he stated it, so therefore it's true. So then I will teach about generational curses. And what I'll do is I'll say, you know what? We're going to pray that the blood of Jesus, that the cross of Christ separate you from that curse, and I declare that curse to be broken in Jesus' name. So my point isn't to be right. My point is to set them free. Because upon setting them free, they will now be free. You know, so this happens often, guys. Same thing with soul ties. You know, if you ask me, do I believe in soul ties? You're going to get a weird answer from me because it depends who's asking me. Because the voice you obey, you become a slave to. You know, um, another thing too, let me add something upon that. Is, is this, okay. When you surrender your life to the Lord, you have to surrender to him wholeheartedly. Everything. Everything. So imagine, imagine if salvation was having Jesus come live in your house. Okay. You have to give him access to the whole house. Not just the front room, not just the foyer, not just the dining room, all of it. Because a lot of us, we have our junk in the attic, we have our junk in the basement, we have our junk in the garage, we have our junk in the closet, and that's how we live our life with Jesus. We let him into our family, into this, into that, but there's certain things we don't let him touch. So guess what? You have allowed what is defiled to stay in what should be undefiled. So now you're going to struggle in your walk. You know, so in that sense, I believe that when I gave my life to the Lord, you know, I believe that there was certain parts of me that I didn't let him in completely. That's why it took time. It took time to mature in the Lord, but in reality, was it maturing in the Lord? Or was it just allowing him more and more into the deepest crevices of my heart so he can actually clean that stuff out? And some might call that soul ties. Some might call that generational curses. But I could have avoided all that, guys. You could have avoided that, many of you, if you had just completely surrendered everything. Everything. Because he wants to be the Lord of your life, not the Lord of a portion of your life, not the Lord of some parts of your life, all of it. You know, when, when Jesus was at the Last Supper, remember he, he went to wash the feet of the disciples? 
And they were like, oh, you know, you can't do that. You're the master. You're the rabbi. You're the teacher. You're the Lord. And he came to Peter with this pail of water and a towel. And Peter says, I won't allow you to wash my feet. And Peter thought he was saying something good because he's like, how dare I let the rabbi wash my feet? It should be me washing his feet. But he was actually wrong because Jesus says something interesting. I'm paraphrasing, of course, but Jesus said, if I don't wash your feet, you can have no part of me. And so Peter goes, then wash me completely. What did he mean by that? Back then in that time of Jerusalem, everything was dusty. There was no concrete streets, no sidewalks, no nothing. You know, animals walked back and forth, you know, going bathroom and there was dust and bugs and mud. And so when you came into a home, the dirtiest part of your body was your feet. So most of the time when you go into a home, they would have the, the people of that home would have their servants wash your feet. It was a hospitality thing. Plus, who wants somebody in your house with a bunch of dirty feet? So when Jesus told Peter, if I don't wash your feet, you can't enter into the kingdom of heaven. What was he saying? He was saying, Peter, you might let me into the foyer, the living room, or the dining room, but unless you let me clean out the worst, dirtiest, filthiest part of you, I'm sorry, you can't enter. Oh. See, a lot of us, we let the Lord into our living room, and the whole time, He's like, I don't want to sit in your living room. I want to see what's in your closet. I need to wash that. I don't need to clean your living room, David. I don't need to clean your dining room. I need to clean the dirtiest parts of your house. Your house. I need to clean the dirtiest parts. Because if I don't do that, things from your past are going to haunt you. Things from your past are going to have an open access into your future because you haven't allowed me to clean those parts out. And that's the truth, guys. That is the truth. So quit arguing with people that have that belief system Pray for them to be set free. But if you're teaching somebody brand new, teach them what a full surrender is. Don't go for some emotional repentance, altar call, you know, salvation prayer. No, explain to them. Listen, this is what's about to happen. When you give your life to the Lord completely, it's everything. Explain what I just said to them. Don't, don't, don't prolong this cleaning this purging of you, let it happen right now. Everything completely, let the Holy Ghost come right now, completely from the top of your head to the bottom of your feet right now in Jesus' name. And teach them, teach them what I'm saying right here. It, trust me, they will thank you for it later. And to, instead of you bringing them to the Lord and allowing somebody else to put this stuff in their ear because the stuff they obey, they become a slave to it. You know, whether, I don't know if you got to save this video, maybe. Share it. If you don't know how to explain it, let me explain it. Lead somebody to the Lord and say, hey, can you watch this video? You're brand new. I want to set you right. I want to set you in the right pace. I want to put you on the right path. Can you watch this, you know, 30-minute video? It'll be worth it. You know, so I'm hoping I'm making sense, guys. Um, you know, this, this is something that has brought a lot of people down. It's brought, it's brought a lot of churches into clashing with each other. 
and clashing against each other. And I don't think either side is right. I don't think either side is right. You know, there's nothing wrong with the person that says, can you pray with anointing oil? Sure. Some people, you know, there's denominations that believe that a healing can't happen unless, unless the worship is in a frenzy in the church. And, and then maybe the Spirit of God will move and some people will get healed. And you know what? People do get healed. Why? Because they had a belief system that if the worship reached a certain anointing, then God will move. And guess what happens? God moves. So because they don't understand what I'm telling you, they, so they believe, and that's when people get healed. Why do you think people say, oh, let's have a healing service? You, you will never see House of Rest have a healing service. You know why? Because every day is a healing moment. You can get healed in the church, outside the church, at the laundromat, at 7-Eleven putting gas. We don't need a worship team. We don't need anointing oil. We don't need a handkerchief. We don't need none of that stuff. All we need is the power of the Holy Ghost and the belief system and the belief that the Lord is here and that everything I touch because Jesus lives in me is going to touch that person. Here's the thing. I want to I ask you this question. Can sickness be where Jesus is at? No. Right? Not the, not the risen Christ. Well, guess what? I have Jesus in me. You have Jesus in you. Do you have the faith enough to believe what the Bible says that Jesus is in you? Because if Jesus is in me, that means everything that I touch is Jesus touching that also. And wherever the Lord is, healing comes forth. That makes sense? So, I don't need loud music to be playing for that. Don't need, you don't either. You don't need, you don't need that stuff. I will use that stuff when people already have a belief on that stuff. Because then I'm like, okay, let's do it. You know, there's, there's people that believe right now that unless, let's say, let's say you're hurting right now, right? Let's say you're, you're in pain and I say, Right now, whoever is watching this is going to, you're going to feel fire. You're going to feel whatever hurts. If it's a bone, your spine, it's going to shift. You're going to feel bone shift. And, and you're believing me at face value because you know that I serve a living God. And at the moment I count down from three to one, that that pain is going to leave. You know, so watch, let's experiment. And I want you guys to comment. So if you are in pain, in Jesus' name, I pray healing when I count down from three to one. Three, two, one, bam, right there in Jesus' name. Okay. So let's say somebody else says, well, um, I don't believe that I can get healed like that because it's a TV screen or a, a smartphone or, or whatever. You know, so I had one person... Because I prayed calmly like that, they felt that you have to yell. You have to just yell and do this long, old, drawn-out prayer for five minutes in order for God to get stirred up enough to heal you. You know what I did? I did the whole yelling, and I prayed for him for five minutes. And guess what? They felt better. You know, some people feel like, man, there's no way I can get healed. But man, and maybe you're thinking this. You're like, man, if he would just touch his screen... 
at the same time I touch the screen, that the power of God will move from David's living room into my living room. Let's say, so let's say right now we prayed that, but you didn't really, you know, nothing happened because that's your belief that, because you've seen, you know, I see a lot of televangelists do that. Put your hand on the screen, you know. But let's say you have a belief in that. Well, guess what? Whether it's that or not, I just want you to get healed. So I would say to you, I'm like, you know what? We're going to pray for you right now in Jesus' name that when I put my hand on the screen, I'm going to put it on the screen for about two seconds. And when I do that and you put your hand there, you're going to feel power. And that pain is going to go. And if you have a belief system in that, guess what? It's going to happen. Because it's all the power of God anyways. So in the name of Jesus, whoever's in pain, whoever's sick, I'm going to put my hand on the screen for two seconds. And in Jesus' name, in those two seconds, that the power of God is going to move like lightning from my living room to yours. In Jesus' name, look at this. One, two. I'm curious to know what you guys are thinking in the comments. Let me know. I'll give you a third example. Sometimes I'll say this. Uh, they'll say, well... I, I, I believe that if you put your hand where it hurts, then I'll get healed. But obviously, we're on the internet right now, so I can't put my hand where your shoulder hurts, your back or your elbow, whatever. So I'll say this, put your hand where it hurts. If it's your elbow, put your hand on your elbow. If it's your back, put your hand on your back. If you have a headache, put your hand on your head. Same thing, you know what I mean? So in Jesus' name, wherever you are touching, right now, in the name of Jesus, I pray for healing right now for the fire of God to hit you and warmth to begin right where your hand is at and for it to emanate all the way from there, all the way out. And so you don't believe that this is just false. I pray that the moment they feel fire, a few seconds later, let them feel cold in Jesus' name. So, guys, um, Praise God that the Lord of, that the Lord is um, he he can't be put in a box. That's why even Jesus was like, you know what? Let me get some mud. He got dirt, spit into it, made mud, put it on the guy's eyes, and the guy could see. He would just do all kinds of different stuff. You know why? So you wouldn't build a formula. So. Anyways, guys, hopefully you got something from this. Um, I hope I didn't sound like I was all over the place. I was trying to get a point across, and I hope and I pray in the name of Jesus that my point got across. Um, but other than that, um, I'm going to let you go. We'll see you Sunday morning for part three, the final um, part of the sermon series, the Alpha and the Omega. Part one was two weeks ago, how Jesus is um, the prophet of all prophets. This last Sunday, he's the king of all kings. So I want you to tune in on Sunday at 10 o'clock in the morning for the third installment, the last part of this sermon series, the Alpha and the Omega. So God bless you. Thank you so much. Uh, have a blessed day. Hopefully the coffee was good. And um, that's pretty much it. I'm saying uh, um, good morning to you from myself and Sharon. And uh, she's resting. Everything is great. And uh, she's excited to, you know, um, see you guys on Sunday morning. So God bless you.
Bye.